Hello everyone, welcome to my show Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, leaders, C-suite executives and innovators who provide candid insights from the personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host Priyanka Kumla joining you on our 91st episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast. Thanks to each one of you for your wonderful support to help us ace the 100th episode very soon. And as a quick reminder, Follow me, Priyanka Komla, and a Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn to receive your LinkedIn Live notifications. And if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe so we know how this podcast has helped you become a better version of yourself. With that being said, I have my special guest who is joining us from Maryland on the east coast of United States amidst a winter storm that's happening right now. Well, we have Madhulika Guhatakurta. Hi, Madhulika. Welcome to the show. Hi, Priyanka. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you, Madhulika. And Madhulika is an award-winning Indian-American scientist who works at NASA. Such a pleasure to have you on the show, Madhulika. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. So Madhulika has been busy, part of the COSPAR 2021 initiative, which is to bring space scientist communities all over the world to talk about space science. So I'm so glad she's taken time out of a busy schedule. And let me give you a brief introduction about who this amazing woman is. For the past two decades, Lika has led the development of heliophysics as an integrated scientific discipline from which fundamental discoveries about our universe provide direct societal benefits. She's currently a senior advisor for new initiatives at Goddard Space Flight Center and a program scientist at NASA headquarters. She's the brain behind innovative solutions that you're seeing, including virtual telescopes, data fusion, edge computing, you name it. And these are technologies that are enduring imprint on the way science and exploration is carried out by future generations. Super excited to have you on the show, Madhulika, and talk to you about your career journey, because I see you as an amazing Asian role model for STEM. So thank you so much. I'm super excited to delve deep into your life. Well. First off, you gave me too much credit, but um, you know that's how it goes. Comes with the territory, I suppose. Uh, uh, let let let's start. Yeah, I mean it, it's kind of interesting. You know, it's been quite a journey, all right. Uh, for which I don't think I could have uh, written the chapters, and few chapters still uh, remain to be written. So as I become sort of deeply aware that with every passing year, my orbital track around the sun is closing in, much like uh, you know the Parker Solar Probe I enabled along with a huge community to get close to the sun. And I'm so I can almost sense an almost vertigo inducing awareness of time and distance, because this is a long span of time. As a young girl growing up uh, very far away from this land, I watched humans uh, land, uh, you know, first take their first step on the moon. In those days, to me, America, NASA, and even science uh, itself were sort of mere concepts. They were uh, vague, unformed in my young mind, as distant and unattainable as the lunar surface. Yet, Look at us, we are talking to each other on a machine billions of times more powerful than the one actually that guided humankind on the moon. So I find myself 
sort of an integral part of that very organization that I watched long, long time ago. And through the science we pursue every day, I have reached out into space and figuratively touched the sun itself. And that's as amazing. Time, yes, that's, it is. That's and amazing, Madhulika. And I want to take you back to that journey. You know, as a young girl growing up in Kolkata in India, I know curiosity was something that was very integral to your childhood. So tell us how, you know, I know you were fascinated about the sun and the stars, but what actually prompted you to take on this path of a scientist? I, I think probably as young human beings, we are all curious and that has to be shaped and uh, nurtured. Uh, in my case, um, I think I was very close to my grandmother and uh, she passed away when I was about six years old. And a relative of mine told me that she had become a star in the sky. So that kind of hooked me onto the night sky. Um, and then, then I started asking these profound questions that we ask from NASA and everywhere else. You know, what happens to us when we die? Where do we go? Where do we come from? These are quintessential questions. And my father uh, was quite amazing as opposed to kind of really stopping me from asking these questions. He led me into another path. I mean, he kind of tried to teach me logic and he gave me science project as an answer. He said, draw me a circle. And I drew a circle and then he would ask, well, tell me, where is the beginning and the end of the circle? And it, it's like he's in a way telling, you know, some questions have circular logic. There's no beginning or end, but how can you explain that to a young child? But that kind of conversation stuck with me. And then, of course, it's the dinosaurs. It's going to the planetariums. It's looking at the stars. You know, that's what shaped me and probably shapes most of us. You know, that has such profound impact, which is what I wanted to delve deeper, because every person has some kind of, you know, a spark that happens in our childhood that shapes our future and our career. When you were taking that journey from Kolkata to the US, I know you came in for your PhD. How did that feel, you know, when you were taking that first step of uncertainty? Did you have fear or how the future is going to shape? I, I have always been very open minded. I think um, as, as I learn more about myself, as I get older, is that uh, I have not been one who kind of always sought comfort and being afraid of the unknown. Unknown actually excited me. It still excites me. I'm quite a, a bit older from the days when I first came, but uh, I kind of feel that I don't grow complacent with what I do and always trying to see things in a new way or do things in a new way. I like that attitude of yours because a lot of times we get into this comfort bubble and we just want life to be the same every day. But I feel so inspired talking to you today, Madhulika. Thank you. <laughs> and to our listeners, please drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. One lucky live listener is going to get a free mentoring session with Madhulika herself. So here's your chance to grab that wonderful session. Now, Madhulika, let me talk to you about your distinguished 
prolific career at NASA. You've been there for leading several projects, be it Living with a Star and you know several other amazing initiatives that have made a difference to the way we understand universe. So tell us, how does it feel about your career journey at NASA? Um, in one word, I would like to say that I feel privileged to have been uh, working with you know a distinguished group of scientists and engineers. They are my NASA colleagues, but then there is the entire community uh, and community from the entire world. So I feel that you know uh, no one can create something alone, and my strength uh, really comes from my community. Uh, they have been the guiding forces and that keep my driving force alive in Dublin. And in that process, I've been at NASA now, I call it one magnetic solar cycle, 22 years at NASA headquarters, which is as a bureaucrat. Before that, I was a scientist. And of course, you have already talked about Living with the Star program. What a beautiful name for any science program, because we actually live with this star. We live in its outer atmosphere and the entire solar system is shaped and sculptured by it. So, you know, I've kind of helped enable uh, missions like Solar Dynamics Observatory that look up close um, and the activities on the sun, Van Allen probes that actually gave us a view of the energetic particles that are trapped in Earth's radiation belts, stereo mission that gave us the first 3D view of a celestial object like uh, our star. Parker Solar Probe is going to be the mission that's going to get closest to the star, really to measure upfront and personal. Solar Orbiter Collaboration, a partnership with the European Space Agency that together with Parker are going to really lead us into new, new dimension of understanding. But that's just the mission side. I have also created portfolio of science to connect uh, these varied topics, right? Ionosphere, magnetosphere, heliosphere, and solar physics. And that wasn't uh, easy, bringing all these uh, scientists to kind of work uh, competitively and collaboratively. Created that. I created um, textbooks. And again, when I say I, it is the royal eye, actually. It's we, the community. Uh, heliophysics textbook. Heliophysics is a new discipline, actually, that people don't think about, right? So it's not just the study of the sun alone. It's sun and its connectedness in every facet. Uh, I have created educational shows, planetarium shows. So these are all the things I got to do. Uh, because I was at NASA and, uh, you know, I could work with the amazing group of scientists and engineers. Thank you for sharing some of these amazing key initiatives that you worked on. And as a quick reminder, I see a handful of live listeners who've tuned in. Please drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. Madhulika is also going to take questions. So if you have an interesting question or a comment, feel free to drop them in the chat box. And one lucky listener is going to get a free mentoring session with Madhulika. So grab that opportunity right away. Now, Madhulika, I know you've been such a humble personality, but you were recently recognized as one of the top Indian-American scientists. How does it feel when you get accolades like these? Because most of the times you're behind the scenes, 
but when people recognize you for such amazing uh, you know talent of yours what was your feeling so that one came as a total surprise because it wasn't from the scientific community right the scientific community over time they know me this came from the business world and science and business somehow we think they don't join so i felt um extra delighted that they had picked a scientist to showcase and um and and it, it's like i was standing for all the scientists to you know demonstrate that yes what we are contributing is relevant to life and society it's relevant to technology it is relevant to sustainability it is the engine behind all the economic growth and i i was really happy to see that there was a recognition of that kind of for the first time almost now let me ask you a little bit more about this as an asian as a women of color scientist how does it feel to work even at nasa or just generally the field of the scientific community have you seen any challenges there especially as an asian uh i would say this is how i would phrase it okay that uh what i have found over time is that any kind of cooperation required tenacity and negotiation skills that basically transcend borders and can break down any bureaucracy and in in that context i would even reference uh this um book by the indian nobel laureate amartya sen called the argumentative indian i'm kind of looked upon as an argumentative human being <laughs> but but what that illustrates is the fact that dialogue is the only way to discover the many sided aspect of truth so you know i i'm uncomfortable saying that i have been discriminated against a woman for color for being short or uh, short hair long hair most of my life i did not actually think about this honestly and uh, neither did i have time to absorb it uh, you need to look think and pause to know that this is happening so it's it's a good thing not to look in a way but in the last several years we know that things have changed we know that america has changed uh, we see that reflection everywhere and i do not doubt that there is a lot of unconscious bias you know in the field of science and everything else but i say that you know we are all here to do a job we all have a goal and let's stick to that and if there are obstacles let's fight that that's very true thank you for being so candid in talking about you know how it's always good sometimes when we don't pause and reflect so we don't go into this rabbit hole of stereotyping ourselves uh, you know that's that's a nice perspective so thanks for sharing that you know the other thing madhulika we talk about the stem talent pipeline and how there's always a leakage not enough women in stem not enough uh, you know in general uh, us needs to do a lot more in terms of bringing more talent into stem what is your take on the current status of stem workforce well i i i have a lot of 
thought to begin with about STEM. You know, I think the STEM fields are unique. I mean, they are where sort of the impossible um, becomes reality on a daily basis. But having said that, and while I have uh, devoted my life to uh, science, I and, and recognize STEM is worthy, I also realized that pursuit of STEM should not happen at the expense of other disciplines. As in all things, you know, a fulfilled life is one that is of balance and we should not take away the soft skills that are equally important. So my fear is we, in our desire to push STEM is actually minimizing the other rich experiences through humanities, through philosophy, through language, through music, through art. Um, and, and so the greater your exposure to all domains of human intellectual pursuit, I would say the more robust both your life and your science will be. Language to communicate, it, it's absolutely essential. Uh, when you are a scientist. So that's what I want to say. Keep pushing STEM, but push everything. It is, it is the whole spectrum. I like your take where STEM has been rebranded as STEAM as well. So it includes arts and humanities. Yes. So creating that interdisciplinary field is always crucial for the success of for the scientific community and for our personal lives as well. What are you doing personally as a role model in STEM to to encourage a lot of parents to teach STEM to their kids or STEAM to their kids? What is your take on that? Uh, th th there are a few I, I share. I mean, you know, these are things I think that have guided me. I um, try to limit the word impossible from my vocabulary, uh, no matter how big a challenge, right? They can be resolved with, um, Strong intentions, dedications, resolutions, these are not cliches, they are real. So do not give up your dream. Do not have someone else tell you, no, you can't do that. You can, and only you know what you can and cannot do. I would say for parents, kind of make pursuit of science and math fun with puzzles, with games, hands-on activities, you know, visits to the museums, planetarium shows, zoos. I mean, be curious about uh, everything in the world around you. You know, since I got back home, I have been amazed how I had not seen all the things, all the animals in my backyard. We just have to open our eyes. You know, that's very true. Sometimes we just get caught with our own blinders about you know what we want to see without even paying attention to what actually exists around us like simple things like looking at mother nature which i've which i've been doing more often now with the pandemic situation especially speaking of which it reminds me of something from my childhood madhulika when i used to grow up in india i used to look at the the night sky and stare at the stars counting them and I'm like super curious, do we have a count of the number of stars that exist in our in our galaxy? Uh, yes, we do. And I I use kind of a random word called gazillion. It, it's uh, 
it's a huge number. And the number is not in my head, but you do a quick search on Wikipedia, you can come across that number. But again, I would say that number is just a reflection of our knowledge today, right? Um, it, it's our ability to see, measure, calculate. There's an invisible world. There's dark matter. There's just still so much. You know, the amount we know versus the amount we don't know is um, incredible. And so, yes, today we do have a number count based on all our missions, all our theory, all our observation. And it is a mind-boggling number. That's amazing to hear. I'm glad there's a number associated with it. Now that I've Jerry. found my answer. <laughs> so Madhulika, let me ask you this. You've been very successful in your career and your dad was very instrumental to let that curiosity instinct grow in you. But as you flourished in your professional career at NASA, how important has mentorship been to you personally? I think there have been few key individuals um, whose um, sort of belief and faith in you allow you to flourish. And I think that's kind of the role mentors play, right? Where you can go and kind of share your wildest ideas and dreams without being uh, rebuked and say, oh, that sounds interesting. Go pursue that. And I have had that happen several times. So uh, there have been key individuals in my life who have played an oversized role in the journey that I have taken in entrusting their trust in me to lead a big program where I was not a bureaucrat by any stretch of imagination. I was simply plucked from a science community and placed in a bureaucracy. So it, it's, yes, so absolutely, uh, few individuals have played very critical role. I'm so glad uh, you shared that. And I hope they've, they've been happy and excited about your continued success all these years. Yes, it is. It is all together. And in fact, you know, when I came to NASA headquarters, I was relatively young uh, in those years. We are talking 22 years ago. Uh, most of my colleagues were a good 15, 20 years older than me. Uh, yet they, they, you know, uh, nurtured me. They shaped me. They valued my input. I was a peer also, a colleague. I'm glad we had such a work environment. How does how do you see your future, Madhulika, going forward? Any exciting projects that you're continuing to work on that you can share with us? As I said, you know, you just can't say complacent, right? I mean, heliophysics is growing. It's it's incredible. It's uh, you know, kind of getting to the size of the heliosphere we live in. We are connecting the dots. And so, of course, someone like Nika Lika needs something more to grow. and th But this is just keeping your uh, eyes and ears open. It's not like it came to me. 
I went to NASA Ames Research Center from headquarters to do a short stint, like a sabbatical. And that's where I um, came upon the power of artificial intelligence. And that became my brave new world. And it's not the dystopian world of negative utopia that Aldous Huxley's novel portrays from back in the 1930s. But it is my belief that the, the power of uh, artificial intelligence, you know, coupled with the vast amount of data from our uh, science missions uh, for decades that we have collected, will lead us into that real utopian world we see. And we have already experimented with this over the last uh, three years in a small incubator program called Frontier Development Lab, partnering with the SETI Institute, with Trillium Corporation, with Google, with NVIDIA, performing this partnership uh, you know, with the private sector, which, and, and these are not big partnership like creating spacecraft or rocket propulsion engines, but it's smaller in nature. It's applying the tools of AI to kind of lead to discovery, to lead forecasting, to lead uh, sustainability with science data that we have gathered. And that that's a journey that has just started. It's about three, four years uh, old and I am I am really pursuing that uh, with all my energy because I see that is the frontier that's going to connect all sciences. And finally, there's one other thing that I cannot, of course, give up. My whole journey on heliophysics, you know, connecting the sun to um, the corona, to ionosphere, to magnetosphere, kind of created this whole heliophysics enterprise. And my, my goal is to take the human species from being earth dweller into spacefarers. And the only way we can do that is when we can actually understand the environment that today we call space weather, interplanetary space weather, that future explorers will travel through. And that is going to happen on the back of the heliophysics science. That's very inspiring to hear. So you think space tourism is going to be a reality very soon in the near future? It looks like if you read uh, everything that is going on, uh, I'm not going to say that NASA is going to do space tourism, but the private sector uh, has been doing amazing stuff. It, it's been a joy to see that growth. And as you talk about private business partnerships, when you see companies like SpaceX, you know, how does a traditional you know, scientific organization that's focused on space science like NASA look at all these different private entities venturing into space? Is that a positive sign? I think so. I mean, I would say that uh, about 10 years ago, NASA started supporting these private uh, ventures. I mean, you know, there is still uh, government support in all of these activities. And that sort of helped push it into the current environment that we are in. 
So I think NASA is a close partner in most of these endeavors. That's pretty amazing to hear. You've had such a successful career, Madhulika, but when you look back, I'm curious to know how do you handle low moments in your life when you're working on these amazing research projects and things don't go the way they expect it to be? Which happens to everyone, right? <laughs> I, I think uh, that uh, reason for pretty much every misunderstanding is that we see the people as we are, but not as they are. You know, just have to be more empathetic to, to see that, to understand that. And, you know, there comes a time in one's working life or personal life when one gets uh, very comfortable. And uh, this familiarity is almost like a hidden trap, right? This complacency is a hidden trap. So it is important to keep trying new things, not get stalled by anything, not to remain stagnant, right? And, and that is the key to opportunity and um, discovery. And in, in the way of, you know, my uh, favorite uh, poet's uh, term, Tagore, you know, my, my prayer is let me not pray to be sheltered from dangers, but to be fearless, you know, in facing them. So embrace them, conquer them, move forward. Uh, these are some of the tools I use on low moments. I, I like those attitudes, uh, you know, those affirmations where you got to be fearless and face it head on by looking at it right in the eyes. I think that's what keeps the mankind going. And I'm so glad you've reiterated because a lot of us, especially this pandemic has put a lot of people into the rut. So it's, it's good to understand how amazing leaders like you think about life and ups and downs in life. Thank you. All right, on that note, we have a fun rapid fire on for you, Madhulika. Are you ready for it? Uh, I'll be about as rapid as I can be. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> All righty. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following, and in one word, Who's your role model? Uh, Vivekananda, Swami Vivekananda, who I read and recited as a young girl. What does happiness mean to you, Madhulika? Well, happiness, you know, I, I am very much kind of a Hindu uh, philosopher. And I'd say in, uh, in Buddha's term, happiness is sort of the ultimate freedom, right? From dukkha. Suffering. Sad suffering, exactly. But what is happiness to Lika? A spectacular October blue sky, you know, shimmering aspen leaves, jagged mountains with magenta sunset color and a glass of red wine. Hey, that sounds like a perfect Sunday. <laughs> except it's white except for, the, except for the winter storm that's happening uh, <laughs> that's in the right. DC, Maryland area here on the East Coast of the United States. How do you define success, Lika? Well, take risks in life. You know, if you win, you can lead. If you lose, you can guide. That's what 
someone said, these are just amazing sort of, um, you know, crystallized sentences. Um, you know, learn everything that is good from others, but bring it in and in your own way, absorb it without becoming them so that you remain yourself. And that's kind of, you know, when I think about myself, I did. I came from such a different culture and I came into America. I married an American. You know, I absorbed that culture, but I haven't lost my own. It, it's kind of, that's what I try to do. How successful I am, I don't know. You are successful in your own way. You define your own success. So Madhulika, I know you have this professional side of you, but tell us one fun thing about you that's exclusive to our podcast listeners. Um, that This one came very quickly to me. Something about me that, you know, maybe my friends from 20 years ago might remember, but most people today don't know. So I don't know if you know the name Kokopili. Kokopili is a Hopi um, Indian legend, uh, beautifully uh, shaped. This is, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, a symbol that symbolizes a mischievous trickster. I am one of those. I like the way you put it, very subtly. All right, I'll ask a question to you. What is your native language? And one word to describe yourself in your native language. Well, um, sweetest of all languages, Bengali is my mother tongue. Um, one way to describe myself would be irrepressible. It's like we all have a life force that is always trying to express itself. And in Bengali, that would be Adamya. Adamya. It's Adamya. It's also Sanskrit. I didn't do the Bengali pronunciation. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad you've been this irreplaceable force as a scientist, as a woman of color scientist who is raising the bars high as well as inspiring a lot of us to continue to pursue STEM. So thank you so much, Madhulika, for your wonderful insights into your professional life as well as your your personal life as well. Do you have anything that you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up the episode? I think you did a really amazing job of pulling all these, um, you know, different pieces of my life and threading it together. Uh, I, I think um, in this short period of time, one would get a pretty good picture of who I am, uh, what drives me, what I believe in. So, no, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you, Madhulika. It was an honor for me. So thank you for spending your valuable time with us to talk about your life. And to our listeners, we'll keep the mentoring session open. So if you're watching this on replay at any point in time, drop in a quick question or a comment, and we'll get your mentoring session figured out with Madhulika by picking one lucky listener. And a wonderful takeaway. For me, on this 91st episode with Madhulika, award-winning Indian-American NASA scientist, is be curious and be fearless. 
and then be irreplaceable. I think that's the affirmation that I really would love to see for myself and to all our listeners who are listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you so much again, Madhulika. Really appreciate you being on our show. Pleasure. Thank you very much. I think uh, you are doing something that is touching a lot of people, whether they are online today or not, but these are there. And that itself, you know, it, it's not often you find uh, an Indian woman actually leading such an effort. We all don't have to be scientists or engineers. There are just so many ways we can contribute to shaping the future. So I, I think this is quite remarkable. Thank you so much, Madhulika. It means a lot coming from you as a distinguished uh, role model for a lot of us Asian women. And I love being a storyteller, bringing to spotlight such amazing stories and delve a little bit onto the other side of you know, our professional careers to see what drives us. So thank you for being very candid. And to our listeners, we have amazing episodes coming up this week. Yes, tune in Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, noon Eastern. We have Carolyn Keel, who is an amazing storyteller, who's going to talk about how can storytelling help you elevate your careers. We also have Mita Malik, who's the head of diversity, equity, and impact at Carter, who's going to join us on Tuesday. So tune in. And for tuning in, you got to follow me, Priyanka Komla, and our Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn, so you can receive all your LinkedIn Live notifications. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up as well as a subscribe so you can get all our notifications. And for our podcast listeners, give us a like and a follow there as well so you can get your episodes on your queue as and when we get them out for you. Thank you so much. This is your host Priyanka Komla signing off from your 91st episode of Karib Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, innovators, and amazing people like Madhulika who will inspire us with their candid journey. Until our episode tomorrow, this is Priyanka saying goodbye, but I'm also going to acknowledge one of our live listeners, Francisca Rudolph, who says thank you for the session. Thank you, Francisca, for joining us, and hopefully you enjoyed the session as much as I did. And thank you so much, Madhulika, as well. Pleasure.